Guy Gordon, Lloyd Jackson, and Jamie Edmonds are up at 6 with JR Morning. Now it's First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. It's being called historic. It's being called landmark. It's being called precedent set setting. Yesterday, Jennifer Crumley, the mother of the Oxford High School shooter who killed four of his fellow students on uh, late November of 2021, was found guilty on all four involuntary manslaughter charges by an Oakland County jury. And uh, Renee, I guess we'll just start with your uh, immediate thoughts on this. Uh, I noticed that she was almost emotionless as it was being read. You could see she was a little upset, but I I don't know what I was expecting. A little more from her. I think her attorney showed more reaction. So is she in shock? Did she just figure this was coming? I don't know. Yeah. And and so I guess the two things uh, that the jury had to decide on, and they only had to decide on one of these, but there were two possible questions. Um, They had to determine whether or not Jennifer Crumbly caused these four deaths by either failing to provide reasonable care or being grossly negligent in providing care. And, you know, there's so much evidence in this case. Um, You know, they had uh, text messages. They had the shooter's journal saying that he was asking his parents for help and they're not helping him. There was those, uh, the the violent doodles on his schoolwork Mm -hmm. that, that caused that meeting on the day of the shooting to begin with. And um, I I think those two things in the jury's mind and in my mind personally, I think that absolutely does prove that they uh, failed to provide legal, uh, reasonable care. And all the legal pundits, they're really glomming onto the fact that Jennifer Crumbly said that she would not have done anything different, that that seems to be the analogy on the part of all the legal minds that have been on TV and in radio and social media uh, analyzing this case. Yeah. And they they spoke to the jury jury floor person on NBC News, and she said uh, what really drove the point home was the fact that Jennifer Crumbly was the last adult with the gun. And that's and interesting because so- they were trying to really push the blame as far as that goes on Crumbly's husband, James. Right. And that was my first that was my first thought. So does this bode well for James Crumbly's defense? Um, I, I, I don't know what kind of evidence from this case uh, can or this this jur- uh, this trial. I'm sorry. What kind of evidence from this trial can be used in his trial? But if that's sort of what the jury's thought process was, then it would seem like Jennifer Crumbly is seen as more culpable in this than James. If there's even, if there's even a difference between the, well, you know, the attorneys are already preparing their cases for James trial, right? The evidence and what angle they're going to take. And after seeing how this played out, I'm wondering if now they're going, okay, let's go back to the drawing board and, and present it this way. Yeah. And I think, I think you made the point yesterday. We were talking about this. And I was talking about the possibility that this could be a hung jury. And um, if it's a hung jury, that means that the prosecution would have to decide whether to rebring their case. And I think you said that that would make it even tougher to find a jury because literally we've been watching this this trial play out publicly. And so it'd be very hard to find people who... Um, weren't already familiar with the case, weren't already familiar with the evidence, didn't already have their minds made up. And and I think 
that was a very good point on your part. And I think that could also apply to the James Crumbly trial. As sure. Well. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one the same at this point. And I know that they say only listen to what is presented in the courtroom. Do not think about anything you've heard outside of this courtroom before, you know, this this whole case started. It's it's really difficult. We're human. I don't know how you do that. And and that's why I would never want to be a juror on this case. How do you not do that? Yeah, I mean, if you're going into a case you've never heard of and sure. someone's on trial that you've never heard of, it's much easier to do that. But this has been so high profile in public. And like like you said, we've we've already seen one trial p- uh, play out already. Right. So, of course, we'll talk about this more later on with Guy Lloyd and Jamie. But uh, I do want to get this point in Justin Schilling's father. Um, he was talking to the media right after the verdict and, and the composure that he showed in that situation right after the verdict was read was, was absolutely remarkable. And I don't know what the word is. I I know there's no closure and and there's no healing in in a tragic situation like this, but hopefully at least the families and the community have some sort of feeling of justice right now. That's the, that's the most I can hope for. That's all I can hope for. Yep. I agree with you. We'll be talking about this uh, quite a bit throughout the rest of the day. In the meantime, former President Trump not immune from prosecution for crimes that he may have committed in office, according to the U.S. Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C. The ruling was unanimous by the three-judge panel, which includes two Joe Biden appointees and one person who is appointed by George H.W. Trump argued that he could not be tried for alleged crimes he committed while in office. Uh, He has until Monday to appeal the ruling to the Supreme Court which he will. His federal election interference trial was scheduled to start in March and has been postponed until after a Supreme Court ruling. And there's there, there's some small yet optimistic progress that seems to be happening in negotiations uh, for a hostage deal between Israel and Hamas. Yeah, the Biden administration's pushing for a hostage deal with a prolonged pause in the fighting in Gaza. That could allow aid groups to address the dire humanitarian crisis in the enclave and buy time for a regional diplomatic initiative that ends the war. President Biden on Tuesday said that Hamas's response to the most recent hostage deal proposal seemed a little over the top after the Qatari prime minister expressed optimism over what he said was the militant group's general positive answer. Uh, Hamas said that it still demands that any hostage deal include a comprehensive ceasefire that would end the war in Gaza and lead to a reconstruction effort and the lifting of the siege. Now, Israel has said that it won't commit to ending the war as any part of the deal. Uh, Israeli Prime Minister's office issued a statement Tuesday that was attributed to Israel's Mossad intelligence agency, confirming it had received Hamas's, Hamas's response and was studying it thoroughly which an Israel official said had some positive aspects and some negative aspects, but Israel sees it as an opening position for negotiations. Yeah, this comes on the heels of some sad news from the hostages and missing family forum. They're an advocacy advocacy group for people who are still uh, unaccounted for, who were taking the October 7th attack uh, Hamas on Israel. They're reporting that 31 of the 136 yet to be released hostages are dead. And the Iranian military said that they will conduct 
joint naval exercises with Russia and China within the next six weeks, which definitely does not sound like good news. You know, and what was damning was that they said that the deceased hostages were more than likely killed at the day that they were taken. So, you know, if you're one of their family members, that's really difficult to hear. You had that hope that maybe they would be released. And then to find that out is just disheartening. Right. And so you wonder what that what effect that might have on this deal. Um, Israel is ramping up attacks in southern Gaza over the past few days. So this this deal, although as Blinken has described it is optimistic, it's still very tenuous back here at home. The House failed to impeach Department of Homeland Security. Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas last night. 214 to 216, it went down. House Republicans also failed to reach the two-thirds majority vote to pass their standalone funding bill to send more aid to Israel. Uh, Joe Biden wins the Nevada primary, probably because he's the only one running. (laughs) On the Republican side, voters instead opting for the candidate named none of these candidates. Wow. I hadn't heard about that one. (laughs) That's an option? That's that's who I'm voting for. Yeah, right. (laughs) It doesn't really matter. Nevada will actually hold a caucus in the next few days, uh, which Donald Trump is projected to win handily. I tried looking into the Nevada caucus slash primary system, and and then I said to myself, why? Right. (laughs) Just don't. And then this is kind of shocking. We're getting more information on the Alaska Airlines Boeing 737 MAX, whose door blew off mid-flight last month. Well, it turns out, Three bolts were not only missing, they were never put on in the factory at the first place. The oh, whoopsie-daisy. Maybe that person was sick that day. That, that was this their is job. Why, yeah, right. Yeah, this is why John Madden took a bus everywhere. <laughs> he was on to something. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with Madden. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And Guy, Lloyd, and Jamie join us in studio ahead of JR Morning. And I guess we'll just go around the room starting with you, Guy. Jennifer Crumbly found guilty on all four counts of of involuntary manslaughter in connection with the Oxford High School shooting. Were you surprised by this verdict? Yeah, I was surprised. I I understand I'm a skeptic and I'm a cynic, and, you know, and, and but I'm also a cockeyed optimist in a lot of cases. So I'm a bit of a mix. But in this case, I just think that there wasn't enough law there. Also, in the jury instructions. There was something about reasonable, the, the, she should have reasonably foreseen this. Mm-hmm. I think that's a mushy definition that would have had a, been a hard time for jurors, but I was wrong. And they said this was an egregious uh, example of parental negligence and irresponsibility. I uh, thought she would be found guilty. I thought the prosecution, uh, you know, really uh, painted the, their picture uh, pretty well. I also thought, you know, when she got on the stand and said that she wouldn't do anything different. Yep. I think that kind of. Well, and Craig Skilling, yeah. uh, Justin Schilling's uh, dad that, said, boy, did that get hit. I, yeah, and that kind of hit me too when she said she wouldn't do anything <clears throat> different. I'm like, wow. Yeah. And, I mean, and- I thought she was going to be guilty. I thought this was the right call. And I, I know the parents are, are they, they came out and they said they're a mix of emotions, surprised, relieved, a weight's off their shoulders. And I'm, I can't imagine what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, Lloyd, back back to your point real quick. Yeah. Um, that that's what every every single legal analyst that I that I've seen since that verdict came down, glommed on to that, saying that when Jennifer Crumbly said that she would not have done anything different. 
that's that's the that's the part where they they said that she really probably sunk herself with the jury. What what else could she have said without it becoming an admission, though? Right. I think that was well, their legal argument. She said, well, yeah, I would have changed this and I would have changed this. Well, then you're admitting you screwed up. And that's that was the, the you know, the base of the case. Yeah. And uh, talking about Justin Schilling's dad, I mean, the fact that he had such composure, um, you know, right after a verdict like that, Either way it went to to have the composure and strength that he did to 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 give, you know, that clear, concise and powerful of uh, of a series of interviews was was absolutely incredible. I'm I'm glad that there was a spokesperson for the parents because I don't want their needs and their concerns to in any way get swept under the rug here. Mm -hmm. And it, Mm -hmm. it it gave my heart some healing hearing the jury state the name of the victim, yes, and then say guilty of involuntary manslaughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a big deal. Hearing their names was important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And those are the names that we should remember: Tate Meir, Justin Schilling, Madison Baldwin, Hannah St. Juliana, and you know we all we all, we all know you know the the unspoken pact that we've kind of. Uh, made to not say the shooter's name, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it, it's important to keep the the victims' names out there and 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 fresh in people's minds. I hope more um, jurors come forward because I sure would like to know their take. Yeah, me too. On well, the issue of I wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah, and NBC News spoke with the uh, jury foreperson yesterday, and she said. Um, and, and this this didn't even occur to me until she said it. She said that w- what really drove the point home for them was the fact that Jennifer Crumbly was the last adult with mm-hmm. the weapon. Which just and, shows you it's, it's hard to divine what the heck a jury is going to glom onto. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Like you could prepare that, as a, a lawyer all kinds of things. And then that was what really did it for him. I, not to to in any way trivialize it. But that was not on my juror bingo card. No. no. Mm-hmm. Um she also said, though, that there were, you know, uh, representatives on both sides in that jury room. I mean, as far mm-hmm. as, you know, guilty or not guilty. So they had to deliberate and, you know, come get to everybody. unanimous. Yeah, decision. absolutely. Well, yeah. And I wonder now if this changes how they move forward with James Crumbly's case. You know, d- does the attorneys look at this and go, OK, maybe we're going to change how we present this. I think it absolutely the, does. Got to look at the transcript, right, of this case. Well, and the questions become, okay, when Jennifer Crumbly got home, did she give the gun to you for safe storage? Right. That becomes the prosecution's key question. Yeah. And if right. he can't answer that, obviously that now becomes a, a big problem for the next jury. Right. Be, because when I heard the, the, the jury foreperson say that that was kind of um, I don't. I don't want to say tiebreaker, but that that was that was a, a key issue for the jury mm-hmm. that Jennifer Crumbly was the last last adult to hold hold the weapon. Um, does that bode well for James Crumbly's defense? Well, you know what I just thought. You know how they asked about um, the shooter's testimony and if they could exactly. consider it. Now it makes me think that shooter's testimony would have helped his mother. No question. Yeah. That ties into that that second question that they asked is, can we have more information on this? They wanted to know the chain of custody of that weapon. Mm-hmm. I just want to know, you know, picking a jury for James Crumbly is, I mean, An to untainted me, it's be, one. How? Yes. Right. How do you do it? Every, this is this is all over the country. It's on national TV. It's on local TV. It's everywhere. Everybody knows about. So how do you pick a jury? I 
That's I, unbiased. I sometimes think we, we overstate how much people listen to us. <laughs> Honest <laughs> to God. It went, it, it, well, but they get it on their phones, too, though, guys. They get it, right? on, they get they it on their phones, but, I mean, that doesn't mean they read it or have knowledge that would be prejudicial. Um, well, I'd never underestimate yeah. the, the opportunity for people to hide under a rock. <laughs> yeah, I prefer but I mean, to do I, that some days. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That would be nice. But I, I mean, Lloyd's right. We've we've watched we've watched one trial already unfold, and um, like like me, it's all over my TikTok page, which is weird because it, it's it, it's an outside perspective, and people are kind of mm-hmm. relearning this for the first time mm-hmm. and. A lot of it is, you know, the antics of the defense attorney. Um, I, I, I think I, I, I think Lloyd has a point here and Renee made the point as well that, you know, we've we've seen a, at least highlights of this trial already play out. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of similar evidence. And as tough as it was to pick a, a jury for Jennifer Crumley is going to be t- even tougher for James. So uh, J.R. Morning is going to have this and, and much more covered from all angles. Stay tuned. The mother of the Oxford High School shooter, Jennifer Crumbly, was found guilty on all four charges of involuntary manslaughter yesterday by a jury in Oakland County. Shooter's father, James Crumbly, his trial will start in early March. Jennifer will be sentenced in April. Each charge carries up to 15 years in prison. They'll probably be served concurrently. Um, Jennifer Crumbly has already been incarcerated for two years. Former President Trump not immune from prosecution for crimes he may have committed in office, according to the U.S. Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C. Trump argued that he could not be tried for alleged crimes he committed while in office. He has until Monday to appeal the ruling to the Supreme Court. Uh, This is in regards to his federal election interference trial, which was scheduled to start in March. That's been postponed until after a Supreme Court ruling if they decide to take it up. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken announced that they had received a response from Hamas on their latest hostage deals. He said that uh, he can't go into specifics just now, but uh, the response has been positive. The Iranian military says that they will conduct joint naval exercises with Russia and China within the next six weeks. House failed to impeach Department of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas last night. That fell by a count of 214 to 216. They also, uh, the House Republicans, that is, they also failed to reach the two-thirds majority vote to pass their standalone funding bill to send more aid to Israel. Nikki Haley picked up no delegates yesterday in the Nevada primary. Instead, Nevada uh, voted for a candidate named none of these candidates. <laughs> Donald Trump did not participate. He will participate in the caucus uh, later on this week. And a picture and investigation is showing that the Alaska Airlines Boeing 737 MAX 9, whose door blew off mid-flight last month, turns out the three bolts that were missing were never put on in the first place. It left the factory with those three uh, bolts missing. Whoops-a-daisy. And Rene- what? <laughs> I know. I mean, you would think you would think someone's in charge of that, right? Someone's in charge of making sure every single nut and bolt and everything that's needed to make sure the plane doesn't crash uh, is in place, it's, but I guess not. It's not an official title, nut and bolt inspector. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know what? If you ever wanted to change careers, just uh, send a resume to Boeing and say, hey, I've got eyeballs. If you need someone to check this stuff, go ahead and uh, pay me a six-figure salary, and I'll make sure it doesn't happen. There yet. we go. Career change. 
Um, so, yeah, we are in the thick of primary season, Renee, heading into election season. And Meta, the parent company of Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Threads, which is still around apparently, uh, they're working on technology to detect AI-generated images because experts say generative AI could create a flood of disinformation ahead of the 2024 election. So far, Meta, uh, at this point, they add watermarks to AI-generated images made on its platform, but they want to expand that um, to images made by uh, folks like Adobe. They own Photoshop, Google, OpenAI, and Shutterstock, among others. And, and a third party. I think, yeah, and, and I think that uh, this is absolutely necessary. I mean, we're already seeing AI running amok in, in, in the campaign this so far. Oh, this is critical that they do this, especially for the less tech savvy generation. Mm-hmm. You know, like my mother, who the right. other day shared shared this picture of Jesus and praying. It was it was uh, somebody from Star Wars. <laughs> oh yeah, I see that. What's uh, oh god, who was it? Yeah, right. I was like, Ma, no, stop it. <laughs> you got a bunch of Star Wars people screaming at the radio right now. <laughs> But, yes, that's it, why stuff like this, putting these labels, because they'll believe anything. Well, and, and here's the other thing, too. I mean, right now, AI-generated images are still pretty easy to detect. I mean, they're sort of like this cartoonish, great get graphics, video game look to them. But the technology is going to get better. Oh, and it's, it's going to become advancing so fast. And we had that Joe Biden robocall mm-hmm. in New Hampshire. I guess there was also a picture of Donald Trump running from the police, an AI-generated picture of Donald Trump running from police. And so, um, yeah, th- this is not something you wait a couple decades to legislate. Nope. And, and and I understand that people don't want the law or the government getting involved in private enterprise. Um, but I honestly think that there needs to be a law with stiff federal penalties against anyone who who creates somebody's likeness with AI without their consent, whether it be video, whether it be picture, or whether it be audio. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully this catches on, and hopefully us as a uh, human race will still be able to tell uh, when a, a, an image is AI-generated and a fake. Going to the uh, complete opposite end of the technology spectrum renee um something that was a huge part of our lives a couple of decades ago which i don't think most of us even have one anymore it's going to be phased out within a few years yeah landlines being phased out phone companies want to shift to newer infrastructure within the next few years which means older copper wire based lines are going to be phased out in favor of more advanced technology like fiber optics that doesn't work with landlines so in fact at&t just applied for a waiver that would allow it to stop servicing traditional landlines in california you know there was a time of course when landlines were a lot cheaper and more reliable compared to cell phones but that's about to be the reverse a spokesperson for AT&T says that they are not canceling landline service in California or anywhere else yet 
but it's about to get even more expensive and less reliable because they're going to need to find complex workarounds as they move away from the old equipment. You know, of course, many households gave up their landlines a decade ago, if not longer. But the breakdown of the landline system, that's going to impact some older folks, small businesses and people in remote areas. And according to one expert, about 100 million landlines between businesses and residential are currently active in the U.S., but only about 5 percent of them are expected to remain by 2030. Yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, my mom got rid of her landline which was my childhood phone number. And although I don't remember the last time I actually called the old house phone, I still felt a little bit sad that that phone number uh, is going away. No, it's kind of like selling your childhood house, right? It's you're, a part yeah, of you. you're right. Yeah, which I'm sure will also be emotionally crushing oh, one day. Gosh, so. yeah. But, you but know, I mean, how are businesses going to operate? That's what I want to know. I mean, when I think of who still uses landlines, it's old people and businesses. They still have a phone number. Yeah, but I I think like your story said, I bet you a lot of those landlines are off the old copper system and now using fiber optics or or whatnot. I I think that uh, I I think landlines probably aren't the landlines that we think of them anymore. So it sounds like it's more it's more so like the copper delivery system that's being phased out more so than landlines themselves. I guess you can uh, forward any phone number to be, be a landline or go to like a traditional. Oh, that's true. But, and vice versa. But scrappers, your days are coming. I your days are coming. thinking that it's going to be a windfall for you guys. I, I was thinking, where do I find these copper uh, <laughs> underground wires? You start dissembling it at your mom's house. You don't need this anymore. <laughs> ah, where do you keep the copper wiring? Uh, yeah, so uh, rest in peace, landlines. But, I, I mean, look, there's – for the most part, there's no reason to have a landline anymore. No. I mean, um, like I said, I can't remember the last time I actually called that landline. And, I mean, even in our business, w- when we used to do – you know, when we do interviews, call us from a landline. Call us from a landline. Yeah. If somebody had a bad reception, are you on a cell phone or a landline? Now we don't even ask. No, because, no. Because cell phones are more reliable. And uh, – like your story said, just about nobody has a landline. Right. Anymore. Even my grandmother had her jitterbug. <laughs> Man, some days I, I could use one of those. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. Jennifer Crumbly found guilty on all four involuntary manslaughter charges in connection to the Oxford High School shooting where her son killed four classmates. Attorney Todd Flood from Flood Law has been following the case with us every step of the way, and he breaks down the verdict minutes after it was handed down with Chris Chris Renwick on JR Afternoon. Jennifer Crumbly found guilty on all four counts of involuntary manslaughter in the deaths of Madison Baldwin, Tate Meir, Hannah St. Juliana, and Justin Schilling. It is a landscape-altering decision by a jury of Jennifer Crumbly's peers to implicate her and for her potential role in the deaths of those students at the hands of, of her son. And this brings a whole new slew of questions about precedent and what this could mean going forward. Certainly, James Crumbly, his case, which starts in days... Uh, will also be impacted by this decision, I would imagine, as well. Todd Flood rejoins us once again. Todd, it's good to have you. Instant thoughts on the jury's decision here. I think it was the right decision. I, I, the facts speak you know, volumes 
right? It was a fact-driven case. It's, man, you know, as far as, as any case in our country, this is the first one that we've ever had with regards to a mass shooting. But it's not the first one, Chris, where a parent has been held accountable for leaving a gun out and a child grabbing that gun and uh, shooting someone else. Mm -hmm. That, you know, has happened many, many times in our state. Um, uh, it's not it's not unheard of. But here, just pay attention to the facts and the law. There was a duty that people proved there was a duty. It was foreseeable that something reasonably foreseeable that something bad was going to happen when you allow this kid to have a gun, especially when the most disturbing picture ever comes out by the son who paints basically a picture for everyone to see how disturbed he is. And the parents don't do anything. They don't tell the teachers. They don't tell anybody he had or has uh, a gun. We purchased him a gun. Uh, a reasonable person would give some ordinary care. We're not looking for Sister Teresa here. We're just mm -hmm. looking for someone that would give ordinary care and do a timeout. Say, hey, son, uh, when mom sees that picture, Where's the gun? Because it looks the one you just drew is identical to this one. It take two seconds. That would have prevented all of this. And the fact that she got up on the stand and was impeached and uh, didn't tell the truth, wasn't candid, was self-serving, um, I think terribly, terrible, terrible decision to put her on the stand without having, you know, uh, understanding of what she was going to say. Because if you remember... It was her lawyer that asked her, would you have changed anything? Mm -hmm. And in essence, she said, no. What about, hey, I would have never given him the gun. I would have asked, where is the gun? I mean, so many different things she could have said. But, you know, for the world to see how she thinks and how self-serving she was uh, didn't obviously bode well for her. And, and I also applaud the jury for being diligent. They were in there taking notes. They were very thorough. They went through the evidence. Uh, it wasn't like they flew by the seat of their pants and wanted to get the heck out of there. They took uh, basically, you know, uh, 11 to 14 hours of time to, to go through this. So I'm not surprised, as, as you and I discussed before. In terms of the jury, uh, obviously you have a lot of expertise in that area in jury selection and things like that. Um, to me, I, th I thought they did their due diligence when it came to asking the questions of the judge, when it came to the definition of manslaughter or, or just the, the, uh, the clarifications on what type of information they could use in their decision-making process. What did you, you talked about the diligence of the jury uh, during the, the hearing itself, but w what did you make of the jury's, I guess, um, uh, 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 ability to get in that room together, discuss this, and break it down, and then come back, uh, you know, uh, less than two days later with the verdict? Well, I, I think those questions uh, that they asked, one question was very uh, telling to me. I don't, you know, I don't have firsthand knowledge of this, but I, I surmise there might have been one or two people on the jury that uh, had some reservations and uh, they needed to know that they could use 
alternative theories to to find conviction either the defendant's acts or or disjunctive the defendant's failure to act and so uh that i thought that question was telling uh i thought it was also telling um that they wanted clarification because they they took it serious they wanted to get it right and uh the the fact that they were all taking notes and they were going through this to me was um i think very important for uh coming to the decision they came to uh so i i i think there was probably some some holdouts or maybe not holdouts is the right word but some people that needed to understand with uh, some more clarity in terms of the precedent here i I thought you made a, a great point that this isn't the first time the parent's been held to account when their child does something particularly with a firearm if it's not locked away properly but in terms of a mass shooting setting, in terms of what this could mean uh, in, event, in the event of a mass shooting at a school in a future where a minor is present, um, is this something that's going to be looked at um, by prosecutors across the country when bringing charges to a perpetrator um, that, that, that there are other people outside of just the, the gunman that could be found uh, uh, that that could at least be held to account. I think I think so. But every prosecutor and every police officer is driven by facts. Uh, you know, nothing but the facts, ma'am. So it's uh, the test of time. And does it have an impact for potentially, you know, future cases? I would say this: the biggest issue for mass shootings in our country, and I've I've since looked at several of them, the ones that I have found all deal with mental illness and uh, or something's off. The prism for how they see the world is off. And I would say to you this, Chris, uh, we need to address it sooner rather than later Mm. it's you you look at these cases and cite me one case where you wouldn't say that human being needed to be in an institution or therapy Mm -hmm. so here all parents know you know the difference between right and wrong it all starts at home sure we all know that you got to be involved in your kids lives yeah exactly the kid here Exactly. Uh, here needed to uh, be in therapy, yeah. needed to have help, right? So you don't give a gun or a deadly weapon to someone that needs that. Now, that, let, it, let, me, let me ask you this because, t- t- sure, uh, James Crumbly sitting in his jail cell now finding that his wife has just been found guilty on four counts of involuntary manslaughter. He uh, holds those same charges as well. Is 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 he shaken in his cell to a certain extent, or, or, or do these translate? They do, they do, uh, and obviously it's going to be difficult to pick a jury because everyone and their brother is going to hear about this verdict. So, get the next jury. How does that not impact them to some degree? Mm-hmm. But they have to, you know, weigh, let that all go. They have to not use that. Uh, and have a fair and impartial trial. I think what this does, Chris, more importantly, is 
show it shows the attorney on the other side uh, for for uh, Mr. Crumbly uh, what not to do. Sure. Uh, the the counsel. Do, do you here, uh, do you ever anticipate James Crumbly taking the stand? Uh, not if he's going to testify like that. 